chapter 2 is where we're at today. Last week we finished up with, I have to read this verse again because it's such an amazing verse and it is really a cornerstone for us Christians, a cornerstone verse in the New Testament. Chapter 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Man, these verses in chapter 1 and chapter 2 are so true for us. We find ourselves walking as believers in Jesus Christ and sometimes making compromises, which we can say compromise, and, and, and for some reason we shy away from saying this sometimes, but reality, what is compromise? It's sin. We're not talking about like whether you want to go to Taco Bell or McDonald's, because everybody knows McDonald's is better than Taco Bell. <laughs> We're talking about the light and the darkness like we, like we spoke on last week. We're talking about right or wrong. We're talking about not compromises of, 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 of the little things. We're talking about compromises of the big things. We know as men and women that we sin sometimes, that we make mistakes. And God in his grace and his mercy and his love for us, he makes provision Is that the God that you guys know? Is that the God that I know? I am so ready to come down on people when they sin. And then God reminds me how gentle and kind he is to me. Like the servant in the parable who went to go get what was owed to him. And he beat the servant and took it, even though he had just been released of his debt. Man, I was in a difficult situation this week where I had to talk to somebody about something that I really didn't want to talk to him about. You know, it was, I don't really, I don't mind confrontation. It's just, you know, that it, it just, it was a bummer to have to do it. And, and I was going to, I was going to come down a little hard. And I was praying and I was like, Lord, you know, what should I do? What should I say? And I was driving down the, down the road and the Lord brought this verse to my mind, like in that split second, and I knew it was him because it wasn't me. It was, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. When I came to know Jesus Christ, it wasn't because he was beating me over the head with a two by four. It was because he was wooing me with his love and his grace constantly, consistently, until I had had enough of his kindness and I wanted to submit myself to him. Because I was tired of screwing up. I was tired of making decisions for myself. Making mistakes over and over again. It was his kindness. And that set the tone for that conversation. Because it wasn't like, hey, you did this wrong. It was like, hey, you know what? We're all works in progress. What was the word last week? We're practicing Christians. (laughs) We have practices set up. We're not professionals. And the, and the ones who think they're professionals, be careful. Because <laughs> it can be tough sometimes. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Whenever we fall into a cycle of sin and we give ourselves over to sin and we start to walk in the darkness like we talked about last, last week, whenever we do that, we submit ourselves to death. A hate-filled, death-filled lifestyle. And we start to feel the effects of that pretty quickly. 
But God in his word, he says, hey, if you confess your sin, if you come to him, he's just. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And that segues us right into chapter 2 where John says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. John, at this time when he's writing this, is an old man. He's the last apostle. He lived longer than any of the other apostles. In fact, when, when they were talking with the other disciples and apostles, I think it was Peter, I believe, I can't remember correctly, but I believe it was Peter that said, somebody said that he was going to be with you forever. He said, don't worry about anybody else. If I want John to be with me until he naturally comes to see me, then that's our business. You follow me, right? John, in church history, it says that they tried to uh, martyr him or murder him for his faith by boiling him in oil but he wouldn't take. His skin wouldn't boil. He wouldn't die. So they took him out and they exiled him because they wanted to keep him far away and they couldn't kill him because Jesus wanted his testimony in these epistles and in the book of Revelation for us. For us. This is the first thing that he says in verse 2. And he says it throughout all of the rest of this letter. And we'll talk about it a little bit more in the weeks to come, probably next week. My little children, these things I write to you. He's writing as an old man to a generation of Christians that are probably all younger than him. That probably went through a lot of the same kinds of things that he went through as he was growing up. And he's looking at them, he's instructing them as a father. Do you know what I love? I love old men. Old men are just cool. I was talking to a, a brother about this recently. We went to the men's conference in St. George yesterday, and in our groups, we had broke up into these discussion groups. And in my, in my group, I had this dude that was just a solid-looking old man, 83, beautiful beard, and I just wanted to pick this guy's brain. I got to talk to him a lot, and he was one of the coolest cats. One time I was getting my hair cut, and there was a guy in there with me getting his hair cut. He was 78. We started talking, and I started asking him questions. And, and I said, hey, listen, man, I, I don't want to disrespect you at all, but can I ask you a question? He said, sure, what is it? I said, if there's one thing that you as a man who has lived your life, this guy was still working, not because he had to, but because he said he wanted to. He said he wanted to keep his mind sharp, 78 years old, still working in the company that he owned. I said, let me ask you a question. If you could give one piece of advice to me, a little whippersnapper who doesn't know anything, what would you say to me? How could you help me live life better? This is what he said. This is what I would tell all of you guys at your age. Do everything in moderation. I thought that was cool. It's a truth, you know. He said everything, everything that you can think of, eating, drinking, sleeping, just have, be consistent and do it in moderation. These old guys are, are awesome. Think of John, this guy who's instructing us, this radical old man for Jesus, giving us what we would ask him if we got to ask him if we would see him face to face and this is his response little children <laughs> hey little guy 
These things I write to you so that you may not sin. This isn't so much an imperative. This isn't an old man saying, you, this generation of kids is stupid and they do everything wrong and they're just idiots and blah, blah, blah. This isn't him going on a rant or a rage. This is him saying, listen, kids, it's better for you not to sin. One of the speakers at the conference yesterday, the last one, he made this excellent point. He was talking about heritage and us as men transferring our heritage to our family and our kids. And he said this thing. He said, when dealing with this generation, stop talking down to them and start talking to them. This is what John's doing. He's not talking down to us, making us feel stupid. I don't need anybody to make me feel stupid because I already know how stupid I am. Hey, it's better if you guys don't sin. It's better if you don't sin. Do you know why? Because sin is not only bad when you start to submit yourself or give yourself over to that. It quickly spirals out of the control and and it is evidenced clearly in your life that there's some kind of sin involved. I have a short list of sins that we can give ourselves over to when John says do not sin and we say, well, I don't sin. We look at those scriptures, we look at the word, and, and there's things that, that are sin that we, we would like to not address as sin, like uh, selfishness. Not thinking of other people, just thinking of ourselves, just thinking of what I want. That's a sin. And once you start down that road, it only gets worse and worse and worse. How about malice, hatred, anger? Those are sins. Those are things that you allow yourself to be given to. And it's the starting point of a road that you're going to go down to where you hate everybody. You end up becoming an old man or an old woman. You have no friends. You have no family that cares about you. Nobody wants to be around you because all they get is the effect of your sin coming from your mouth. Address it now. Went to a marriage conference a, a couple of years ago, and Pastor John Corson was there, and he was sharing with us, and he said, uh, one thing that I've learned recently is my parents are in a nursing home, an old folks' home. One thing that I, I realized, or maybe they were living with him. I, I'm, I'm not positive, sorry. He said, one thing I've realized, though, is that, that when people get older, the filter for their mouth gets less and less. They just say what's inside. He said, I'm, tr- I'm finding out now that uh, even for somebody who calls himself a Christian or who has been a Christian most of their life, you can see the things that they did not address earlier in life by what comes out of their mouth the older they get. And finally, it's just they're tired. I'm, I'm giving up. I'm not trying anymore to be a, a, a nice guy or a nice gal. But the problem is, is that, that that's sin, And it starts to affect people and it pushes people away. How about pornography? You know what happens when you watch pornography as a sin? It starts you down a path that before you know it, you think it's not too bad. But before you know it, you're way over here. And you think that it doesn't affect you, but then it starts to permeate your whole life. And then once you continue to watch it, you start to become self-absorbed. And you start to withdraw from other people. 
And it doesn't matter because all you need is your computer or a cell phone or something, and you can sit in your room by yourself, and you don't need anybody else because you can satisfy your own desires. And it ends up becoming absolutely destructive to you as a person, ruins your relationships. And John says, hey, it's better for you guys if you don't sin. Simply put, it's better for you guys if you don't sin. How about alcohol? Maybe you have a little bit of liberty. That's fine. I'll be the first one to say that, you know, you need to be careful. But when you go down that road of alcohol and you end up finding yourself in a place where you're, you're consuming way more than you should or any kind of drug, it starts to influence you. That's what those things do. That's why they call it DUI. Because you're driving under the influence of alcohol. You're not influencing yourself anymore. You're being influenced by something else. Same with pills. Same with marijuana. Those things start to break down your conscience as you give yourself over to something that influences you more than what should be influencing you, which is you or the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm allowing something else to influence me, then the Holy Spirit does not have that influence in my life. You have to pick one or the other. Am I going to allow my life to be influenced by the word of God, by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit in my life? Or am I going to allow this substance to influence me and my decisions and what I do and what I say? Because you'll act differently You'll do things differently. And this is, the, this is the kicker. This is the thing that's difficult. Not only will it break you down, like with the drugs and the pornography and, and the little stuff, the anger, the malice, the rage, whatever it is, selfishness. Not only will it start to break you down, but it will start to affect you physically. Isn't that incredible? Have you seen those meth pictures of the before and after? Or anything, these pictures of people who were healthy, they were fine before, and then afterwards, you, you look at them and you can't even recognize them. Do you know why? Because that's what sin does to the body. What does it do? It brings death. Your teeth fall out, and your hair falls out, and you get skin inconsistencies. Now, I say all that just to say that the effect of sin doesn't just affect you personally. It doesn't just affect you socially. It doesn't just affect you uh, morally. It affects you physically. And you see a person and you say, wow, that person had a hard life. What does that mean? Does it mean that they had a hard life or does it mean that they made some really bad decisions and sin took over who they were and that's what's represented now? This is the good news for us as believers in Jesus Christ and for those who are not believers in Jesus Christ that he restores. I kind of don't like seeing those pictures of the people of the before and after. You know why? Because what I want to see, I want to see new pictures of those people with the before and after of when they were hooked on drugs and then when they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when that happens, I've seen it before, life gets breathed back into that person. Death is taken away. And maybe there's some consequences that they still have to pay because of the decisions they made before. But God restores life. 
That's what he wants to do. That's why John says, it's good for you guys not to sin. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What a great <laughs> what a great segue from me screaming about people's sin, huh? <laughs> kind of bums me out sometimes, too. That word, and if anyone sins, it can in the Greek, it could be interchangeable, if or when. It's not if like you're perfected, it can be if or when, and there is some places that it is, other, in other places it is translated when. That word if. For me, I think when is more appropriate. In the context, it makes sense as well. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You guys know what an advocate is, right? It's like a lawyer, like an attorney. And not the bad kind, you know. <laughs> I'm not just saying like an attorney and, and uh, they're going to get you off the hook. I'm talking about an attorney who does his homework and has allowed himself to be the substitution and advocate on your behalf. Um, do you guys know the local attorney here in town? His name is Glenn Lerner. You guys know Glenn Lerner? One call, that's all. What's the other? What's his other thing? The heavy hitter. Boom. What does that mean? It means when Glenn Lerner's on the case, he knocks it out of the ballpark, right? He takes care of business. He's a good advocate, and he's going to get you that check. In a wreck? Need a check? One call, that's all. Guess who your attorney is? Jesus Christ. Does Jesus have a title like Glenn Lerner? Does he got a catchy, you know, little, little name we can call him? He does. What is it? That, that is one of many. Let's look in our text this morning at what his title is. Right there, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's his billboard. Call 777. Jesus Christ the righteous. Who do you want representing you? A righteous guy especially because I'm unrighteous, especially because he has more to offer than any other advocate ever in their existence could hope to give. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Isn't this funny that we read these verses so clearly in God's word? We get on ourselves, and listen, I, I want to be careful, but listen, we always talk about sinning, just like I did. I was trying to turn it up and, and get it hot for a reason, okay? It's because this is what we're going into. This is the heart of the Bible. God knows we're sinners. He knows that we make mistakes. He's seen it from before to the very end, and now he knows. And these words are more of words of comfort than they are of condemnation right? 
When you get in a car accident uh, and the first thing that you think is, oh, I got to call somebody, you call somebody, and the first thing they say is, was it your fault? Jesus doesn't ask that. You know why? Because he already knows. He already knows. This is the thing with an advocate as well, okay? What do you have to do to make Jesus your advocate? You've got to call him. You've got to call him. You've got to ask him. That's what John's saying. He's saying like, yes, you guys are going to make mistakes. You, you guys are little kids and, and you love God and, and you want to do the right thing, but you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. It's not okay to sin, but it's okay to make mistakes sometimes. You have an advocate and all you need to do is call and he'll be there. All you need to do is confess and he's faithful and just to forgive of all unrighteousness. That's Jesus. But sometimes we allow the sin in our lives to just kind of linger there, to not address it, to not talk about it. Let's see how long I can go to church and have the conviction of the Holy Spirit riding me about this thing and not address it until, you know, I'm just too tired to go to church. I only get one day off, really. <laughs> hey, you're sitting down. You're not doing anything. The heart and the emphasis is to ask for forgiveness. We're going to make mistakes as believers. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. When the, it's time to pronounce judgment and the judge says, this is the judgment, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I'm his advocate. He's with me and I'm going to take him. The judge says there's still a payment that's, that's required and Jesus says, I will pay in full the payment that is required. Not only is he our advocate, but he's our propitiation. He is the payee, the payer of our sin. And not ours only. I don't know how the... Calvinists feel about this verse. Sorry if there's any people that lean that way or know what I'm talking about. But not for ours only, but also for the whole world. See, in the Greek, the whole world means the whole world. It can also be translated the entire planet. Just kidding. I, it sounds good, though. What does that mean? It means that the sins of the entire earth have already been paid for in the blood of Jesus Christ. Every single person. The only thing you have to do is call the right advocate. That's it. And as soon as you call him and say, Jesus Christ, I need you to be my lawyer. You're my advocate. I repent. I know that I'm guilty. Then you receive that inheritance. But until you do, you cannot receive it. Like showing up in the court and saying, hey, Glenn Lerner's my attorney this morning. Oh, great. Well, he, he, he seems to be late. Where is he? I don't know. Well, when did you talk to him? I haven't talked to him. I just heard he was a great attorney, and, and I thought that, you know, I would have him here representing me this morning. No, you've got to call the guy and ask him. You've got to give yourself over to him. So that when you do, he can be your representative. Verse 3, now by this we know that we know him 
if we keep his commandments. Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Do I really know God? It's a good question to ask. In fact, we can ask ourselves this morning, do you really know God? If you don't, I would highly encourage you to ask him to know him. And by the way, we know that there's only one way to do that. It's through Jesus Christ. By this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. That's the key that he sums up in that last verse. If we call ourselves Christians, then we're going to inherently want to live our lives like Jesus lived. We're going to want to be kind to people. We're going to want to like people even if we don't want to. We're going to want to love people even when it's difficult because that's, the, that's the, the, what's been transferred to us from Jesus the Son. And if there's anybody, he says, if there's anybody who, who, who says they know him but, but doesn't keep his commandments, that doesn't walk with him, they're a liar. Now, this implication isn't to add another sin onto the pile of sins for this individual. This implication is to say, hey, listen, you need to get right with Jesus. You're not lying to anybody else. Really, what you're doing is lying to yourself. You're the one that is suffering not being in this relationship. And I believe it's more instructive than it is, again, condemning. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. That, that, that can also be uh, translated being perfected. That's, that's something that motivates me to get out of bed in the morning, to go through another day, to understand a little bit more the manifold love and grace of God. And it happens every single day. Now, the emphasis here is on commandment. He says, does not keep his commandments and I think that we, we really don't want to get the wrong idea of what that means for us. Because when we boil it down, what is the commandment, if we would say commandment, excuse me, of God, what, would, what could we say that it is? If you had one word, love, love. In fact, that's what he's going to say in the next uh, few verses after this. He, he enters in with this idea of being uh, of love of God being perfected in him. But then he goes on and says, Brethren, I write no new command to you, but an old command which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He's talking about love. He says in verse 9, he says, he who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. What's the opposite of hatred? <laughs> it's love. And he goes on to talk about love a little bit more. But I want to park right here on this verse just for a second because I want to tell you guys a, a short story about how I was touched two times this week. It was Wednesday. I had some things to do. And I went out to get in my truck, and my truck wouldn't start. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? One of those days, huh? So 
So it starts off, truck wouldn't start, got to jump it, got an appointment, I'm running late already, and now my truck won't start. So I, I get it started, I go to my appointment, the appointment's over, I'm like, I got to do something about this, you know. When I, I, when, when I was leaving my appointment, my truck barely started, it was like, Rrr. but, you know, the Toyota, boom. But still, it wasn't the Toyota's fault. It was the battery's fault. So I'm like, I got to do something about this. So, I, so uh, my next appointment was right down next to Costco. I met with somebody, and then I went over to Costco, and every single person that I ran into was just super unfriendly and downright rude to the point where I was about to say something, you know? Why are you so rude? Who are you mad at? What's your problem? You know, when you're trying to talk to somebody, and they work there. You're trying to talk to somebody, and they're yelling at you from across the room. Listen, I'm not a kid. Why are you yelling at me? Like, come over here or let me go to you. He's walking away. I'm busy. Come on. What's going on? So I get out, and I, and, I, and I get the battery, and I'm like, hey, listen, I'd really like to throw this thing in right now. He said, if you bring the core back, I'll give you 15 bucks. I'm like, 15 bucks? That's... I don't want to come back here again. I like 15 bucks. Do you have a crescent wrench I could borrow so I can go take the old battery out right now, stick the new puppy in, I'll bring it in here, you give me that money, you know, and we'll be done. it'll be a done deal. He's like, yeah, yeah. And, and he said, uh, oh, I, I don't know where the crescent wrench is that, that we let people borrow. Go ask the shop. Went and asked the shop. They're yelling at me. We don't loan tools to nobody. Get out of here, punk. And I'm like, what? He told me to come. But your friend... Your coworker told me to come here. I'm so confused. Go back to him. We don't care. So I went back in. I'm like, listen, dude, they're giving me the runaround. They're not giving me a tool. I just want to get out of here. He's like, okay, listen, I've got a bike, and I've got a toolkit on my motorcycle. Just sit down for a second, and I'll go out and get it for you. I'm sitting there. He helps customer one. Customer two comes in. I'm like, cool, he's probably going to run out now. Nope, helps customer two, helps customer three. I'm sitting there on the bench waiting for a wrench for like a half an hour. I'm about to say something. I'm getting frustrated. Like, this isn't cool, man. Like, where's your bike at? Give me your key. I'll go for a ride. It's been a while. I'll take care of you. You take care of me. So finally, he gets me the wrench, and I go out there, and I'm taking the thing off. And, 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 uh, and uh, to be honest, I really wasn't, it, I wasn't in a bad mood. I was still like, I wonder what's going on. And I was kind of praying and, and taking the battery apart. And then this old guy, remember what I said about old guys? This old guy pulls up next to me, and he gets out, and he comes up, and he says, hey, what are you doing? And he stops to talk to me. I'm like, oh, this is a cool dude. He's like, hey, do you need any help? Do you need a jump? Is there anything I can do for you? I was like, no, but you know what? I was kind of having a rough day because people are kind of snotty, and, and I just think it's really cool that, that you stopped to, to talk to me about it or to, to see if I needed any help. He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. So we start talking, and then the door opened. I, I was able to start sharing the gospel with him, you know, and I'm sharing with him, and I'm talking about how, like, you know, Grace and I lived in Eastern Europe and, and, and the church plants and, and what God is doing here at Paradise. And, and I made a comment about, um, I think what started it for him was I made a comment about... Uh, talking to like people my age with kids and he said well you could probably talk to my son but you guys are rivals and I'm like what do you mean we're rivals he's like well we're LDS and I was like oh okay yeah and and 
later on, we were talking about something, and, he, and kids came up, and I was like, yeah, I, I have five kids. And he's like, yeah, I have ten kids. <laughs> and the tone kind of changed. And I'm like, all right. So we're standing in the parking lot at Costco for 45 minutes, going back and forth talking. And I'm just like, listen, have you ever really, really talked to somebody about what you believe? He's like, well, not like this. I'm like, listen, man, I want, I want you to know that and, and, I'm not, and I'm not trying to talk down to you or anything, but I want you to know that God loves you and doesn't require you to obey any system of law to have a right relationship with him. I said, that's the difference between you and me. You, your religion tells you this is what you have to do. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. You don't have to be in bondage to what other people tell you you have to do. And he said, that's my problem with you. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's just by faith, right? And I said, yeah. He said, so you can get saved and go home and sit on your butt on your couch and not do anything ever again, and you're saved. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not how it is. And he's like, oh, well, it could be for very many people. For us, we're told certain things to do, and the reason that we do them is because uh, by doing them, it, it gives us that access to God that God wants to have with us, but you've got to do it. I said, listen, here's the concept in the Bible. Uh, God wants us to be fruitful, and he calls us many times trees. Did you ever see a tree work before? He's like, trees work? I said, no, they don't. You see a tree work? You see that apple tree? <gasps> I'm going to get these apples out. I'm going to get this orange. Who, what does the tree do? The tree abides. It's just there. Who does the work in the orchard or the vineyard or any of... Who does the work? The people. The workers. They come and they trim the branches. They lift it up. They wash it. So that the, the plant can naturally produce life. This is the difference between you and me. You have to work for something and produce it. It happens through me as a Christian naturally. I have kids. That's how the kid thing came up. I have kids, and when they wake me up in the night, I don't kick them off the bed and say, go take, maybe once or twice, but it was an accident. I don't say, go take care of yourself. What's wrong with you? I'm compelled with love because they look just like me. And I think I'm not bad looking. So I'm like, I love you. I want to help you. Or you, know, or you roll over and, and nudge your, your beautiful wife and say, hey, the kids are awake, baby. Can you take it? Just kidding. But why do you do it? Because naturally, the fruit that you bear comes out onto others, and it's motivated by what? Love. It's motivated by love. So I said to him, see, my relationship with God and the fact that we're having this conversation is, is motivated by love, not because I have to do it. It's not a commandment for me. I want to talk to you. I want you to understand the love of God like I understand it. And if I could be so bold, I would like to say that I don't think that you have. But the fact that you stopped to help me is awesome. And the fact that we got to have this conversation is radical. And the guy was so kind, like, you know, he got a little snooty a couple of times, which was fine. He was so nice, and he grabbed my shoulder, and he said, it was good to meet you. And you know, you don't really touch people. 
I'm like, why are you touching me? <laughs> it was good to meet you too. Get your hand off my shoulder. We don't go around touching people, but he touched my shoulder and I felt uh, a connection, like that there was something that happened. And I was like, oh man, praise the Lord. And I was like, it was good to meet you too. You know, I smacked him on the back, realized that his, you know, lats were bigger than mine, <laughs> which was weird. But so I'm standing there and I'm thinking and he says, okay, we say bye. You know, I'm finishing putting the, putting the battery in, I'm tightening it up. He pulls out. And I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, man, it's so hard to have a conversation with people like that because, because uh, I get to talk to them and stuff. But this guy was a Mormon, and, and he's the only one that stopped to help me. And that, that, you know, that almost is ammo for him, you know? But he didn't say it. I was glad. And I'm thinking, like, man, I wish Christians were nicer. I'm going to yell at everybody on Sunday to be nice this week. And to tell people that they love Jesus so they know that that's the fruit that comes from abiding in a love relationship with our God. So do that, okay, guys? I don't want to yell about it. Love people. And I kid you not. So that was the first touch, right? He pulls out, drives away. and finishing putting the battery in. Another car pulls in. And I just thought quickly, like, wonder who they are. You know, I hope I'm not going to bother them. You know, got all my stuff right here. Pulls in, the driver gets out, comes over to me. He's like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, good. He's like, hey, you need any help? I'm like, thank you. But I'm, I'm just finishing up. And he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, hey, no problem, bro. Have a good day. And he walked away. And I was floored. He touched me. <laughs> it's a big deal for some people, you know? And then I started thinking, like, no, you know, like, the enemy can say whatever he wants, but, but... I know that what I do isn't based on commandment of God. It's not 10 commandments or 615 or 736 or 1,000 commandments that some men made up. It's motivated by love. And the fruit that I bear in my life, not to pat myself on the back, but just to give a, a, a motivation, the fruit that I bear in, in my life, the fruit that you bear in your life always is motivated in love. It's never motivated out of um, commitment or necessity or duty or service. It's not motivated by those things. It's motivated by love. And then God says to us very, very, very clearly something that we need to talk about more, right? He says, they will know you by your love for one another. Let's pray. God, we, we're so in awe that, that we get to experience your love on this level. We're so thankful, Lord, that we, we don't want to sin. We don't want anything to stop that. We don't want anything to come between us. We want to draw into you, Lord, nearer to you. We want to be with you, Lord, through everything, and we want the expression of love to be the fruit that's manifested from our life. And just like we read in your word, if we hate our brother, the love of God is not in us. We want to be motivated by your love. We want to be separated and sanctified by your love because it is different. Help us this week, we pray in Jesus' name.
as we go out and we talk to our friends and our neighbors and our family, our co-workers, people we run into on the street or in a store, help us, God, to have this seed of love so planted today that it would spill out into somebody else's life. And that we could even tell them that we did it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give us that power Give us those opportunities you've given us, steps to walk in since the foundations of the earth were laid. Make them clear this week so people can see and know you. In Jesus' name we pray.